I saw this opportunity. It was something I had always fantasized about. I was always dreamed about. I was super scared. It was much larger than I ever imagined. But there's a moment where you say, well, I can let this one go, but I don't know when it will come back. Welcome to the Charting Her Course podcast, brought to you by the Pacific Coast Business Times. This podcast will give an inside look at women who own and run small businesses on California's Central Coast. I'm your host, Veronica Kuzmuk, and I'm so excited to put a spotlight on these fascinating businesses in San Luis Obispo, Santa Barbara, and Ventura counties. This podcast would not be possible without our sponsor, Bank of America. More from them a little later. Sherry Villanueva is the owner and managing partner of Acme Hospitality, which operates several restaurants in Santa Barbara's Funk Zone. She had a vision of what the Funk Zone could be, and with a background in marketing, but no restaurant experience, she took a tremendous leap of faith and now owns seven, and counting, restaurant and beverage concepts. If you've been to the Funk Zone, chances are you've been in one of her many establishments, such as The Lark, Lokita, and Lucky Penny. Please enjoy this talk with Sherry Villanueva. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How about you? I'm good. Thank you so much for being here today. It's my pleasure. Thank I'm you for having me. Yes, I'm excited to talk to you. I have so many questions. First, I want to start out talking about the Funk Zone. I mean, it's a place that I love. I've spent many a time there. So for people that aren't familiar, could you maybe explain what the Funk Zone is? Sure. So um, the Funk Zone is a neighborhood in Santa Barbara down near the waterfront. Historically, it was a marine industrial neighborhood. Over the years, that growth and development moved up State Street and moved down to other locations that were more affordable for industrial use. And the neighborhood became a little bit forgotten in Santa Barbara. When that happened, the artist community really kind of moved in and and, and they're really, you know, I would give credit to sort of the founding of the Funk Zone is the artist community who saw these beautiful old historic buildings in this amazing location, one block from the beach, one block from State Street, you know, really kind of in the heart of the waterfront of Santa Barbara. And they set up workshops. They set up galleries and workshops, and it was a place for them to be creative and work. And, and it was really kind of an, an exciting start to what we now know as this arts and entertainment district. So with Acme Hospitality, you guys have opened how many locations? We currently have seven locations. Seven locations. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what can you name all those locations? Just because I want people <laughs> to, so. I know, I want people <laughs> to understand like they've probably been to several of your places and they just didn't know that you guys started them. So, And that happens a lot. And we work very hard to make sure that each and every one of them is separate and unique and distinct in its brand and its character and, and what we offer to our guests. So we work really hard on making them act and feel like different, you know, experiences. Um, to list them, uh, we'd start with the Lucky Penny, the Lark, Le Marchand, Santa Barbara Wine Collective, Helena Avenue Bakery, Lokita, Tiger Tiger, and Monkey Shine, which is an ice cream shop inside of uh, Tiger Tiger. I want to get into Acme, obviously, but first I want to go take it back a little bit and talk about what was your career path leading up to now? My career had been uh, really in marketing, in all aspects of marketing, starting with sales uh, right out of college and moving pretty quickly into um, children's entertainment. And I worked for a company called Rabbit Ears Productions for many years. 
And I did that for quite some time when uh, my family and I decided to move to Argentina. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Didn't see that coming. I know. Uh, So we uh, had two young children and wanted to go on a family adventure, wanted our children to be fluent in Spanish. So we moved to Argentina for two years while they were in elementary school. And it was there that I really connected with the founder of Rabbit Ears, a gentleman by the name of Mark Sotnik, who was under contract with Target Corporation at the time doing world, worldwide trend research. Okay. So when we moved back to the States, we came to Santa Barbara. That was in 1999. And we, um, Mark and I reconnected, and he said, oh, my gosh, I need help at Target. Can you come join me? And that was the beginning of a 12-year contract that um, Tamark and I had with Target doing trend research. Wow. Okay, so then you're at Target. How do you end up? So in about 2008, 2009, the economy had a massive downturn. Target really focused um, or shifted a lot of their energy to their value proposition. That really was not the area of expertise that Mark and I brought to Target. We were more on the expect more side of the equation rather than the pay less. So our contract ended with them, um, I believe it was in 2009, and I was really looking for something to do close to home, and I did some consulting work for the Santa Barbara Public Market. Um, I've always had a long-term passion in food. I'm very committed to local food and organic food, and it was a great way to kind of get my feet into the water. Um, in doing something close to home that was food-related. And I did that for about a year, and it was then that I met Brian Kelly, who is a real estate developer who had bought um, a number of properties in the funk zone, um, and he approached me to ask to for me to help him in concepting them. So then you guys get together and you guys are like, okay, we're going to start opening. Is it just one restaurant at first, or were you like, we're going to do all the spaces that have been acquired? We actually opened three restaurants together on oh, the okay. same day. Okay. Oh my gosh, on the same day? <laughs> That's wild. Yep. It, yes, it was very wild, <laughs> especially for someone who's never opened a restaurant right. before. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we opened the. Lucky Penny, The Lark, and Les Marchand all together in the same day. We had an amazing opening team and many of them still working with us. And um, everybody, you know, kind of came together. I think from the very beginning, we felt like we were doing something special, that we were really shifting a neighborhood and sort of creating sort of a new there there. And so that, that was a really exciting thing to be a part of. Everyone was, you know, it was a lot of very intense energy around it, and I think that's what kept us going. Well, I don't even know, like, what are the steps? <laughs> like, what do you, how do you start? So, um, yeah, it's it was really hard in, in hindsight, I have to say, um, because I had a very steep learning curve. When um, we were looking for a restaurateur to take over the space at Anacapa, we spent a lot of time interviewing restaurateurs who had experience in the restaurant business. And was review- we were reviewing lots of business plans and lots of concepts coming in. And we really never saw a business plan that felt like it matched our vision for the property. So about six months later and probably 40 proposals later, you know, Brian just looked at me one day. He said, look, you see it. You wrote the vision. Why don't you just do it? And I'll be your partner. And we'll hire a rock star team and we'll just make it happen. Wow. Since we're talking about it, what was your inspiration? Like, was it, you know, living abroad? Like, did you take you know, bits and pieces from what you saw when you lived there? Or were there other cities that, like, you just admired what they had? You know, I think um, the inspiration really came from all of the things I had ever done. Um, you know, I I love Santa Barbara, the community of Santa Barbara. I just wanted to do something 
Santa Barbara, if that yeah. makes sense. No, it totally um, does, because that's what it is. Like, right. it turned into that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, and our cookbook was a direct um, result of that, too. We wanted to to do something that felt like it was by the community, for the community, that it was really this place where everyone could come together and celebrate everything they love about Santa Barbara. And that was really the driving force in sort of coming up with the concept. And then we wanted to connect Santa Barbara to more of an urban experience. You know, it's a it's a small town. It's one of the things those of us who live here love. But it's also um, the world is changing, and we wanted to connect Santa Barbara to something a little more sophisticated, a little bit more urban, something you might find in San Francisco or, or Los Angeles. Um, and that's really, I think, the, the, the driver between this kind of very locally rooted, community-driven space that had a little bit of an urban edge, especially in an industrial neighborhood. It just all made sense. I mean, that's how we came up with our name, even. It was in uh, that same ethos. We really, you know, we wanted the name to be rooted in the neighborhood again, since everything we were doing was about the historical reference. It was about Santa Barbara. So, you know, after lots of research and variety of different fields, um, we really started studying uh, train, train travel, and how um, the Southern Pacific Railroad running through Santa Barbara, what had that looked like over time. And we discovered at the turn of the century on the train connecting Los Angeles to San Francisco that there were only two trains that stopped in Santa Barbara. One was called the Daylight and one was called the Lark. Oh, wow. So we named our restaurant after that train. Oh, my gosh. I love this piece <laughs> of history. This yeah. is so cool. And I, I live in Ventura, and I have taken the train to come to the Funk Zone for that exact reason. Yeah. So that's so interesting. So from there, you were also writing a cookbook while opening this <laughs> restaurant, which is so wild because you would think like, that sounds like a crazy idea because you're already doing so much with the restaurant. I started the cookbook when we were building the restaurant. I hadn't even hired a chef yet. Oh, wow. And um, and again, it just seems so <laughs> natural. I think the first thing that I was really overwhelmed with was the amount of people that it took to build that restaurant. There were hundreds of people from concrete guys to tile, electrical, plumbing, structural, you know, painters. It just where there were hundreds of people over the course of about two years. And they were all so amazing and they were so committed to their trade and they were so excited about what we were building and we were so excited. And it really started you know, the, the restaurant was a really a love letter to Santa Barbara. And so what better way to write that than to actually put it on paper? And so we just wanted to start telling stories. So um, I was able to convince McDuff Everton, a local um, anthropological photographer here in Santa Barbara, to work on this project with me. He's an award-winning National Geographic photographer and just a, an amazing storyteller. And we both had that vision. We said, let's tell the story of Santa Barbara through the lark. And so if you see our book, you'll see there's stories about fishermen, about ranchers, winemakers, distillers, you know, all included with recipes coming out of the restaurant stories. We put photographs of all the construction workers that worked on the project in the book. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, it's really fun just to, you know, pay homage to their dedication and, and commitment right. to their craft. And so it was a fun way to kind of, it took us five years to write it, um, <laughs> but it was a great way to kind of bundle up that, you know, that real love and commitment we have for the community. So then from there, does Acme just develop organically just because you start opening? Yeah, so it's all definitely happened organically. I have two people who are sort of really my right hand. They both are at 
what you might call an executive level with me really making decisions for the whole company. We also keep marketing, private event sales, and accounting in the ACME level. And, you know, we see the ACME group as um, an organization that provides services back to all the restaurants. And then your guys' sole focus is the funk zone, right? Or do you venture out on other um, property locations? Uh, currently, as far as operating businesses, it's um, they're all in the funk zone. Okay. We have a couple of properties in the pipeline that oh. are not in the funk zone. Cool. Very cool. <laughs> and we just this year launched a lodging division. Oh. So we're going into the hotel business. Wow. I know. That's It's awesome. pretty exciting. Um and we are currently managing a property in Palm Springs called the Villa Royale. Okay. And we're uh, renovating two hotel, historic hotel properties in the Nevada City area. And once the renovations are done, we'll move into uh, hotel management operations with them. I didn't know that about the yeah. other. Like, look, I always thought, I'm like, when I was reading um, online, I'm like, oh, it's only just the funk zone. They're yeah. expanding and expanding. And I'm sure you're still doing that, too. But that's very, very cool. Yeah. So... Did you anticipate that you would grow like this with your hospitality company? Or when you started, were you just like, I'm just focused on this area right now and the, you know, the immediate? Did you see this? I nev never saw it. Yeah. Nope. I still sometimes <laughs> scratch my head because <laughs> it seems like it's happening so fast. But I mean, yeah, this whole thing started. My my youngest daughter was on her way off to college and I was telling my husband I was ready for a new career challenge and he said well what do you want to do I said I just really want to be a server in a restaurant that's really what I want to do and he was just like no you can't be a server restaurant. you have no experience you don't know anything about that it's like all right fine I'll just open my own restaurant <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor Bank of America asked Central Coast businesses what would you like the power to do Listening to your answer is how we learn about what matters most and help you achieve your goals. That's why we've lent over a half billion dollars to Ventura, Santa Barbara, and San Luis Obispo counties, small, mid-sized, and commercial businesses. Because we don't just work here, we live here. What has changed maybe as far as your management style from the beginning to now? Was there anything that... Well, I think, you know, one question you asked me earlier, I don't think I answered very well, which how does how do you just even get started? Right, because right. I think that's been something that has changed for me um, in writing. You know, when we first decided to do the first restaurant, which was the Lark, we subsequently added the Lucky Penny and Le Marchand through the development process. So they all opened on the same day. But the plan really started with the Lark. And, you know, I, I, again, came home one night and said to my husband, I'm going to go into the restaurant business. And he was like, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I am. And he said, OK, great. I fully support you, but you need to write a business plan. Mm -hmm. And I had never written a business plan before. And I had no idea even what a business plan looked like. And so I started as simple as trying to Google, you know, what how to write a business plan and what does it need to have in it. And I didn't even know how to use Excel. I mean, embarrassingly, I was a marketing person my yeah. whole career. I mean, I just didn't know anything about quantitative, you know, analysis. Right. And so, again, with his coaching, he said, well, you should just call up all the people, you know, in the restaurant business and ask them to help you because they they already know and I just didn't have any, I didn't know anyone. I said, I just, I don't know a single person. And he's like, come on, you can think of someone. And I racked my brain and finally remembered that my college boyfriend had owned a restaurant in San Francisco. Oh, wow. I had not spoken to him in 30 years. <laughs> You're like, hello, it's me. <laughs> it's exactly what happened. I call him up, super nervous and scared. 
And I was like, you know, Lance, it's Sherry. He's <laughs> like, hi. You know, I just, you know, it was so random. And he could not have been more wonderful. Oh, that's awesome. Um, he basically was super supportive but said, I I'm not your guy. Like, I don't know what you need to know, but here is your guy. And he connected me to another mutual friend that we had who I hadn't spoken to since we were in college together. And um, his name is Jeff Ames. And he turned out to be invaluable. I mean, he just became my mentor and stuck with me, you know, right by my side as I wrote my business plan. And and it took me a really long time to write the business plan. Um, I wrote one that I thought was really great. I sent it to a couple people who were in the industry and they were like, this is terrible. Write it again. <laughs> oh, and no. so I wrote it again. Yes. And I think it was really that discipline. It probably took me about a year to write that plan. And But the discipline of writing the plan was one of the single most important business lessons I learned through this process. You know, I can now write a plan in two days. Um, and I've learned, you know, so your question of what has changed in yes. management style, I think I've learned to understand what the key metrics are, what the key um, how to evaluate a potential project and and to be able to really look at it and know, you know, does it meet our criteria for success? And then to put a plan together to um, be able to present to investors. All of our projects, we have a group of investors that are behind every one of them. And so, you know, to give an investor a plan, you know, I needed to feel really solid about it, that what I was giving them was my absolute best work and that I really believed in everything that was in it. And so, you know, I've become more efficient at that as as the plans have developed. Um, I've written a lot more of them. Actually, I'm a guest lecturer teach on a at the UCLA Anderson School and teaching business plan development, which is sort of Wow, funny. that's amazing. I love <laughs> is, this. It's, it's so fun. Circle. Yeah. yeah. It, Wait, so I want to talk about that with investors. How was that? To, you know, how what are the challenges that you faced doing that, not doing it before? Yeah, again, it was brand new and it was really hard. Um, it took me about a year to raise all of the money to do uh, the first three restaurants at Anna Kappa, the Lark, Lucky Penny and Le Marchand. And, you know, I, I relied on my business plan that I had really, really toiled over with competitive analysis and and had taken a, a very sophisticated pro forma and vetted it and vetted it and vetted it. So I, I felt like I had confidence in my plan. Um, but, you know, I probably met with, I don't know, maybe 150 people um, yeah. to end up with 25 investors. So it was a lot. Um, and, you know, I, I understand that they were investing in a person who'd never opened a restaurant before in a neighborhood that was still really just turning around. Right. Um, so there was some inherent risk in that. You know, it's what's nice, what thing I'm very proud of is every business we've raised, uh, we've um, opened since then. Um, multiple of those original investors have decided to come in again. Um, you know, so the process is much shorter and it's much easier yeah, now. They know you. They trust that you know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, they feel really good about the value that we've been able to deliver back to them. And I feel really proud of that, too. I mean, it's scary to take other people's hard-earned money. And, um, you know, I take it super seriously and want to make sure that, you know, there's just nothing but the highest level of respect with that and that we're doing everything we can to give them a good return. Um, but it's a, it's different. It's a different I've, – I've never had that relationship before. Right. Um, so it was a very different experience. What advice would you give to somebody trying to break into the hospitality or the restaurant business? Just learn a – obviously learn how to write a business plan would be – The business probably. plan is the most important thing. I, you know, the first thing I did um, – 
was, and this again was at the suggestion of my husband, who's this very smart thinker. Um, He said, put together an advisory board and figure out who you want on your advisory board. I had a lot of nonprofit board experience, and so I kind of understood how a board worked. And so I built an advisory board. I think there were 12 people on it. Uh, Three of them are restaurateurs, and the other nine were not. They were everything from attorneys to accountants to, you know, bankers to real estate people. Um, I I was very judicious in how I used them. I was very... um, I called them then when I had a specific question that was in their particular area of expertise, but they became my champions and they were they were just fantastic. And so that was one of the prominent pieces of my business plan was here's this group of advisors, this group of experts that I've surrounded myself with. Here's a plan that I've vetted through another group of experts. You know, here's all the homework I did. And so when you really put together a solid plan like that, um, you know, it's much easier to have the confidence to go forward, and it's much easier to have other people to come with you because they believe in your plan too. So, yeah, it's funny when I, when Jim first said you need to write a business plan, I was like, No, I don't. I have a great idea. It's it, I know it's going to work. And right. he just he he's a mentor for entrepreneurs and oh, okay. works in um, impact investing. And awesome. he said, Oh my gosh, like no, exactly. every entrepreneur has a great idea. Uh, great ideas don't work. Plans work. Um, and so he that was a very valuable lesson. And I I'm. I do a lot of mentoring now myself. We've had a number of employees want to open their own restaurants or other people in the community come and ask me to help them, you know, sort of mentor them through that entrepreneurial process. And that's the first thing I say to them, where's your plan? Send it to me and I'll, I'll give you feedback on it. I'll tell you the truth. So make sure you want it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and but you got to have a plan. And so um, that's been that's that's probably the most important thing. And then there is a moment that you have to take a leap of faith. You know, there was a moment for me where I saw this opportunity. It was something I had always fantasized about, I was always dreamed about. I was super scared. It was much larger than I ever imagined. But there's a moment where you say, well, I can let this one go, but. I don't know when it will come back. And um, when you see that opportunity and you say, I'm just going to go for it, you know, it's at the right time in my life. And, you know, if it's not the right opportunity, I'm going to learn something really valuable from it. And if it is, I'm going to take it all the way. And so um, it's an exciting you know, place to be in where you can see opportunities in front of you and just go for it. Yeah. And like have the courage to actually go and try it out and see what happens. Right. Yeah. I feel like that's one of the hard parts, you know, especially anyone starting out in a business or wanting to get into a certain area of business is, you know, there's a lot of fear and you just don't a lot of unknowns, but it's important to just try and dig deep and you never know what could happen. I mean, look what happened. That's amazing. Well, and I think it's the willingness to be vulnerable. I think that's really the key thing, the willingness to fail, the willingness to, to, you know, not know what you're doing, to ask really basic questions. You know, that for me was an interesting part of the early process. I was, my niece was a, a server in a restaurant in San Francisco. I was calling her with the most basic of basic questions. She was like a safe place, somebody who wouldn't make yes. fun of me. Yeah. And, um, but that vulnerability is just really important that you're willing to say, okay, I don't know, and teach me. Um, and if I fail, I know I failed trying super hard and, yes. and did everything I could. So. So um, what type of boss would you say you are? It's like a really loaded question. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'd like to believe and what I strive to be is a, 
a boss who believes in people. Um, and that includes sometimes when people make mistakes. And, you know, I think I, uh, I value um, very, very strongly things like integrity and loyalty and commitment to hospitality, real true you know, commitment to taking care of other people more from a, a service perspective than sort of a entertainment perspective, I would say. And so when I see that in people who work for me, I love that. You know, if they make mistakes or they make bad choices, we work through that. Um, but, you know, I like to kind of believe in who they are as people first. And I'd like to, them to think I encourage them for that. Um, and, you know, and help them, you know, I'm also very committed to their personal growth. And if there's skills or subjects that they don't know and they want to learn how to grow and develop those skills, then, you know, I want to make sure I'm providing them with the tools that they need to do a great job um, and to grow as professionals and in turn to create this amazing experience for our guests. So I try to really kind of look at that more from an empowerment perspective. This kind of pairs with that. Um, what do you look for when hiring someone? I mean, maybe someone that doesn't have experience in this area. Is that a deterrent for you or are you? Um, you know, it depends on the position. Mm -hmm. So there are some times where we'll hire people with no experience because we've had just an extraordinary reference on them as people with high integrity, solid work ethic, people who are just gracious and, you know, they're sort of an inherent uh, skill for hospitality that you can feel when you meet certain people. Most of the time, the people we hire have some level of experience. Um, so, and depending on the position, you know, there it's kind of all over the map. I mean, most of the hiring that I do is on the management level. Um, all of the managers are really hiring all of their line staff, which you know is better because those are people that are reporting directly to them, and they want to be involved in sort of that process. Um, but I think we, across the board as a company, try to look at people first. Skills are easier to teach than um, sort of personality characteristics like integrity. So um, if someone is a great person but doesn't have quite the polish or the technical skills that they need, then we spend a lot of time. I mean, I would say our training program is one of the most arduous and detailed and you know, really um, in-depth training that you can get in hospitality in Santa Barbara. Wow. So what is what do you see for the future of the Funk Zone and Acme's part in the future of it? You know, I'm excited about the Funk Zone. I'm excited about the whole waterfront, you know, the, the Hotel Californian coming in on State Street and sort of the development of what's happened in Lower State Street, I think, is important overall to Santa Barbara. It's really our gateway to our beautiful city, connects the, the water to downtown. And so it's exciting to see, you know, the responsible development that has happened. Um, you know, I think there are still things that we need in the funk zone that make it a more interesting, diverse community. I don't know that they'll ever happen. Things like more housing, mm -hmm. uh, which I think we need everywhere in Santa Barbara, but also, you know, in our waterfront area, more retail, I think is important. That gives people more things to do. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, I hope that it stays 
small and independent and eclectic and sort of art-centered. You know, we try to incorporate art into all of our, our projects wherever we can. We have murals at Lucky Penny or at Tiger Tiger. We do art shows at The Collective. And, you know, that's really just kind of making sure we're staying connected to the artist community in Santa Barbara, which is so vibrant and so rich. And so I hope that as things change and properties turn over, that there other new operators and new landlords are committed to that connection to the arts as well, because I think that's what makes it unique. How do you (laughs) (laughs) de-stress? It's funny. So many people ask me that question. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not very good at it. Um, You know, my family, I would say, is my number one most important thing in my life. I have uh, two children. One lives in Dallas. One lives in San Francisco. And we travel as a family to wherever one of us is a lot um, to spend time together. And that's probably my single thing I look the most forward to. I have, I'm very lucky. I have an amazing husband of 31 years, and we love to sort of adventure around. I mean, yesterday we went to this amazing um, uh, farm dinner, ranch dinner out at San Julian Ranch, which was extraordinary, just beautiful. So, you know, we take adventures like that, I would say, on a regular basis. And that's a really great way to de-stress. You know, during the week, I try to play tennis or go hiking or go to yoga. Um, those are all, you know, good de-stressors. And it's, I live a busy, chaotic life. And so <laughs> it's kind of my natural MO. Yeah. So part of that is just who I am. I'm a really, it's funny, um, if my husband were here, he would be saying, you forgot your secret power, your, your secret superpower, which is I'm a really good sleeper. <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. That's what people have a hard time with now. Nine plus hours awesome. every night, solid, no, no even turnover in the middle of the night. I, I'm just a really, and I love to sleep. Oh gosh, me too. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, I'm a solid, I have to have the eight. My, I have to have yeah. eight or I'm not functioning at the correct level. Right. So that's, yeah. that's really interesting. It's great. So that, you know, you wash it all away and start over in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what a good night's sleep will do for you. It's true. So what is a typical work day like for you? Oh, gosh. A typical work day. Um, I don't know that there's a typical work day. I mean, I spend most of my days in the office. Um, that office is mixed with, you know, lots of email correspondence handling. It depends. I mean, handling all kinds of things from licensing and sort of corporate structure kinds of um, situations that might be coming up to reviewing financials and going over financials. I spent a lot of time uh, in one-on-one meetings with senior managers, sort of coaching them and working through challenges that they might be having, spending a lot of time on development of new concepts, whether it's in the design phase or the concepting phase, designing a brand strategy or kind of marketing strategy around what that new concept is. I spend a lot of time with our marketing team because that's my area of strength and talking through promotions that we have going, events that we're planning, key partners in Santa Barbara and beyond that we can partner with to do community events. Um, You know, I'm not on the floor during service all the time. I love to go there on occasion. It's kind of a running joke because I, when I'm there, I usually like to bust tables and I can see all the busters rolling their eyes like, oh my gosh, she's so bad. Um, (laughs) But they, they, they put up with me. Um, But I like to be there with them during, you know, events or during key service times just to be in the trenches and working alongside with the staff. I think it's helpful for me to keep perspective on, on, on what their challenges are on a daily basis and again to make sure they have the tools they need to do to do their jobs so that happens a lot um, and then you know it's 
various aspects in the community. I, I represent our company, you know, whether it's the board of the chamber or, you know, other organizations locally. I spend time um, meeting with folks and, you know, participating, visit Santa Barbara. I'm also on the board of um, and trying to kind of help, you know, lift all of Santa Barbara and be an be a important player in that. What would you say drives you and what's your motivation? You know, I just really love the idea of people coming together and connecting with one another. I do it at home. There's nothing that I love more than having people over to my home and cooking for them and just celebrating life with them. And I love that I get to be a catalyst for that in the kind of greater public community. It's the most exciting moment of the day when service is in full swing and you see people celebrating their anniversary or graduation or job promotion or sometimes their sad times that they're connecting over and they're comforting each other and loving each other. And I just, that drives me. I, I love that. I feel like it's a huge responsibility that people hand those special events over to us into our care and count on us to deliver an amazing experience for them. And it's just an honor. I just, it's, it still blows me away. I'll read um, the reservation list, you know, before service any given night. And you just read all of the things that people are coming in for. And it's really very special to, to play a part in that and to, you know, have a, be a place that they'll remember. Oh, my gosh, it was our 40th wedding anniversary and we were at the Lark and this is what happened. And I just... I, I love that. It's just, like I said, it's an honor. So I think the last thing I want to ask you is, um, looking back again, what advice would you give to your younger self? Maybe to trust myself more and to, I mean, who knows if I would have grabbed opportunities in my younger years. Um, I actually feel like I did somewhat of a good job of that as I was going through my career. Um, but I think it's it's about trusting yourself. I mean, I find myself even now questioning myself, doubting myself. Well, what if? And then I, I my mode is I dig into being like this crazy researcher. I just will start digging up information and talking to everybody I know and getting opinions and vetting it and vetting it and vetting it. And sometimes I think it's it would be better just to to have faith and to have more confidence. Like, this is what I see. This is what I'm going to do. Um, and if it's wrong, then I'll deal with that. And if it's right, then, you know, off we go. But um, I have a tendency, I think, to um, question myself sometimes. And I would probably tell my younger self to go for it more often. <laughs> yeah, that's important. That's good. I, yeah. I think that's going to help a lot of people who are thinking about their careers at any stage in their life. so Well, and it's important to go for it, but with a, a, a vetted plan. You know, I think there's um, a balance between being, you know, impulsive, which usually doesn't end very well, and being thoughtful, being willing to take risks, willing to take a leap of faith, but it's only because you've vetted and 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 understand what it is you're leaping into. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a moment where... Yeah, it's leap, all right. Yeah. <laughs> like, here we go. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm so excited. I can't wait to go back and listen to everything we talked about because I feel like it was a good, you know, history of the area that I didn't know about before. Mm. 
And I feel like now when I go to the Funk Zone, I'm going to feel even more connected to the location from what we talked about today. So thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me. It was just a, just a pleasure to be here. Awesome. And then how can people find out more about Acme? Just at your website? What's the... We have a, a website for Acme. It's www.acmehospitality.com. Um, that website will lead you to all of the restaurant's okay. websites. Perfect. So you wanted, it's an easy one to start with. And yes. people who are interested in job opportunities or interested in whatever, you can get all of that through the Acme site. Perfect. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> This was Charting Her Course, a Pacific Coast Business Times podcast. The Pacific Coast Business Times is the weekly business journal for the Central Coast with digital and print editions, as well as can't miss events. For more on the Business Times and to subscribe, please visit our website at packbiztimes.com. A huge thank you again to our sponsor, Bank of America. We're so appreciative of their support. Bank of America is committed to responsible growth for the clients and communities it serves by listening as they answer the question, what would you like the power to do? If you enjoyed this podcast, and I sure hope you did, please share with your colleagues, family, friends, and anyone else who might listen. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you stream podcasts. Please also subscribe, rate, and review. For more info on this podcast, please visit packbiztimes.com under Charting Her Course. We are also on Instagram at Charting Her Course. Give us a follow. We'd love to hear suggestions on future guests as well. This podcast is developed and produced by Linda LeBrock and me, Veronica Kuzmuk. Associate producer, editor, and provider of emotional support, all done by Viana Mabonig. Our gorgeous artwork was done by Corey Iniguez of Dandelion Designs. Check out her website at dandeliondesigns.com. Our very cool theme music was created by Nicholas LeBrock. Thank you, Nicholas. And a special thanks to Impact Hub in downtown Santa Barbara, where this podcast is recorded. Lastly, we're all out charting our own courses in business and in life. So while we're out there, let's wave and say hi to each other. We're in this together.